Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen. If you would like to support God TV Radio, you can support us by buying our music, our art, our T-shirts, as well as our books. You can also support us with a one-time donation through PayPal. All links are in the description. If you have access to Spotify, you can listen to my radio station in your car, on your stereo, on your computer, anything that has internet access. God bless. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day. All right, so hold on one second. Let me fix this. There we go. That way that's not distracting for me. Uh, all throughout the week, I'm going to be doing live shows. Uh, there will be either a link in the description or I will post it directly to the comments. Everyone will be welcome to come in. I felt it was important to talk about something that is major to me, uh, something that causes me a great deal of rift whenever it comes to spirituality and my belief in God. I've talked about it a couple times whenever doing a live show just briefly, um, and uh, last night I talked a little bit about it with a guy named Hudzap, and uh Von Helton ended up coming in, and we ended up changing the topic and going into some things. But let me go ahead and lay it out here. I've talked to some social media Christians behind the scenes about this, and a couple of them seem extremely disappointed and aggravated with me about it. Because what it does is it causes a problem on how I go about the rest of my life believing in God, how I behave towards atheists, and so on. I've decided that I need to change uh, some of my ways of doing things. I kind of have to. As many of you know, I was a former atheist, and then I ended up making a lot of videos uh, referring to myself as an atheist historian. And I've been kind of harsh with some different non-believers out there. Um, been kind of antagonistic towards them. And, uh, well, it's it's gotten me into some problems. Um, I did something unforgivable whenever I was a former uh, atheist uh, anyway, and that's what we're going to talk about, and it is now aspect, it's affecting me spiritually. Let's try not to beat around the bush here. Um, I've, I got something that's happening to me that is worse, uh, one of the most horrible things that can possibly happen to someone who believes in God. And, uh, it's irritating for some Christians out there. I ho had hoped that I would get some more support and I would get more wise words from others. As many of you know, I've only been a Christian for about, I guess, five, six years at this point. It's where the rest of my life I was a non-believer, except for whenever I was a baby. Okay, so here's how it goes. Many of you know that whenever I was an atheist, I was angry. I was angry about what what was happening in my life. I was angry about tragedies that had happened, and I ended up uh, throwing away my belief in God for a long time. While I was an atheist, and I used to make videos against religion and talk about the news and uh, talk about various subjects, while I was debating and arguing with people, I did everything possible to make sure that it had no influence on the rest of my family members or anything like that. While I was doing the atheist videos, uh, my son was growing up. I was taking care of my daughter, who uh, at the time was disabled. And I would keep my door shut whenever I was recording videos. But I got too involved in the atheist community. I got to the point where I was going to churches. I was making church phone calls. And it was impossible for me to... Uh, be able to completely close my children out from what I was doing whenever I was an atheist. So what ends up happening is, is years later, I end up working my way at, to, into believing that there's a God. And that's where we're at today.
However, my son had heard some of the things that I used to say. He used to hear some of the debates. In fact, there were times whenever I went out to argue with people. And unfortunately, because my wife and I don't have like 10 cars or whatever, sometimes my wife went with me as well as my son. So my son got to hear a lot of the arguments I made in the past. He got to hear some of the debates. And I'd always told myself that just because I have a view about something doesn't mean that I'm absolutely correct. I always told my kids that. I said, look, I don't know if atheism's true or right. All I know is at that time, I didn't feel like there was enough evidence to support the idea of God. And, and I tried to make sure that my son and my daughter always stayed open-minded about religion and spirituality and all these different things. So, I'm having a little bit of an allergy issue. Feeling a little bit of burning in my eye right now. I may need to take an allergy pill later. Kind of distracting me from what I'm trying to say. I never liked the idea of children being indoctrinated, whether by religion or by atheism, because I had always held the stance, even whenever I was at my most hardcore form of atheism, I didn't want children watching me on video. I didn't want kids watching me because I didn't know what the future had in store for me. I never knew if one day God was going to give me the evidence that I required because I'd always state to Christians, I said, if I get some kind of evidence, if I'm given some kind of something solid I can grab onto, then I will accept God. And I feel like through my experiences, that happened. But unfortunately, even though I tried to shield my children and my family members from what it was that I was what direction I was taken at that time, it unfortunately has affected them. And it has made my life a living hell because of it. Because now my son, um, he sees himself as a person who is searching. He's been looking into Hinduism and Buddhism, and he's been looking in different faiths. But he doesn't really have this... Uh, he kind of finds Christianity to be uh, stupid and hypocritical. He has seen and encountered plenty of times where Christians got rude with me in the past whenever we were having discussions. And I guess what I'm trying to say is he's got a bad taste in his mouth whenever it comes to Christianity. So when he and I are talking, even if I try to have discussions with him and, and try to explain to him and have him understand why it is I'm the way I am now and not the way I am then, he doesn't understand it. He's in his 20s, ladies and gentlemen, but you know, most of his young life, he was used to, I was a different type of person then. You know, he's used to me back in the day whenever I had the black hair and the shades all the time, wearing leather jackets and trenches, this whole, you know, trying to bring more light and uh, all this love and joy and all this kind of thing. It's it's kind of a, <laughs> just trust me, I live totally different now than I used to. I've tried to surround myself with better or nicer uh, type of thing going on with my personality and my way of behaving so it's weird for him and my daughter she doesn't have any hatred towards christianity she doesn't have any animosity but my kids they obviously didn't go to church a whole bunch so they didn't have that influence and there's uh some of my family members who have their own problems uh, the ones that are religious, they some of them live kind of hypocritically, where they say they believe in God, but they don't actually behave like, uh, you know, like the label of Christianity. So, all of this has had a pretty 
uh, profound impact on my son and daughter's interest in religion. And I don't see in the foreseeable future where either one of them is going to turn around anytime soon. Whenever it comes to it. But here's the catch, ladies and gentlemen. Although my son and daughter do not have the same spiritual belief as I do, they are incredible kids. They are incredible. My daughter's 19 and my son's in his 20s. And my son works very hard. He does everything he can in his life. To He's good to his mama. He's good to his daddy. And he's just an, he's a son that I'm very, very proud of and I'm very happy with. However, according to religion and according to a lot of Christians out there, if he doesn't accept Jesus Christ, then he's in some kind of trouble. Uh, same with my daughter, according to some Christians out there. And that, for me, is eating me alive. It's like a, it's like a cancer. I've, uh, I've spent many days and nights thinking a great deal about this, and it also makes me sick whenever I get on YouTube and social media, and I see these young kids on video who <clears throat> their Christian parents let them down um, and had problems in the past, and then the kids themselves are angry. When you're looking on the internet and you see these teenagers who are talking trash about God and the Bible, and it's most likely because either their parents were religious and they seen too much hypocrisy, or they didn't like the church that they went to because there was too much nonsense going on up there, or their parents were skeptics themselves, <clears throat> and now the kids have adopted those type of ways of thinking. I need some coffee. Hold on. And because I'm as old as I am at this point, seeing a bunch of kids on the internet who are atheists, it's really hard because a lot of them remind me of my son and daughter now. They're kids that are good, and they're trying the best they can. And they're being told by adults who are on YouTube that there's no reason to believe in God and all this. And it makes me very angry. I think one of the reasons why I become angry at some of the adult atheists out there is because I see myself in them. <clears throat> I see what I used to do and what I used to say. A lot of these people, they don't say anything new under the sun. They say exactly the same kind of things I used to say whenever I was a non-believer. And I know for a fact that whenever I was a non-believer, it influenced people. And, uh, I get to thinking to myself that whenever I was a non-believer, did I convince a lot of young people and adults that God wasn't worth going for, that religion wasn't worth their time? And that makes me wonder how many souls did I take down the commode with me whenever I was doing what I was doing. And I wonder if that's one of the reasons why it is I'm, I do feel like I'm being punished for it. I feel like there's, because of my big mouth and because what I did in the past, it's affected my children's desire to go towards spirituality. I've talked to some other Christians out there I was friends with in the past, and they said, so what are you going to do about it, Brett? And I said, well, I've tried talking, I've tried tried encouraging my family to go to churches and all that, but none of them are interested. Um, I can talk to my kids about everything under the sun, and we have great conversations, but they don't like talking about religion, and they don't like talking about politics. They like watching movies. They like uh, talking about video games. They like talking about something that happened in their day or someone that they're dating. They like to talk about you know, how they took care of their bills and they're fine. Uh, my son talks about his home and what's been going on with his vehicle. We can talk about everything, but <clears throat> neither one of them care about philosophy and religion. 
And now it's gotten to the point where my son works so many hours that he's his search for truth has kind of come to an end at this point. He works so many hours and he does so well for himself financially. He just doesn't have time to be able to uh, be a part of church functions and all that. So I don't, I see him continuously getting better at what he's doing. However, the ability or opportunity to convince him that spirituality is the way is pretty much nigh. It's not going to happen. So what does this do for me? As some Christians ask for me, I remember I was talking to a Christian by the name of Smokey Saint a while back. I used to believe that that was a good guy, that he was a cool Christian who was smart, that might be able to help support me to get me through this conflict because it's literally killing me. And the reason why it's killing me is because there's a lot of Christians out there that believe that if you don't believe in Christianity and you don't believe Jesus did certain things, then you're automatically by default going to hell. I'm open-minded to the idea that God can see into the heart of my children and that he might, there might be a chance that God's bigger than the Bible and bigger than all of these religions and the assertions and claims made by men and women and children whenever it comes to this. However, if you read it for what it is and what it says and you go along with what some of these Christians say, then I would say that 90% of my family are, are in serious trouble whenever it comes to the concept of God and what will happen to them eternally. So now that we've gotten to that point, of course the Christians out there wanted to know, so what does that do to you, Brett? Knowing that if it is what it says it is in the Bible, that your kids and your... And also, I should probably point this out too, my wife believes that there's a higher power, but... And she's doesn't have a problem with believing it's Jesus Christ, but she's not consistent with it. It doesn't really matter to her either way. She, her belief is that she has a good heart and she's a good person, which I totally agree with her, obviously, on this. That, you know, if there's a God, then she's got nothing to worry about. So this doesn't bother her as much as I'm bothered at all. Because she believes that God is just all around awesome and isn't going to roast our kids or her or anything like that. And I wish that I had the same mindsetting as her, but I've been around too many Christians who are constantly telling me that I got absolutely everything to worry about and everything is on the table <clears throat> and the stakes are high. So I guess the question at this point is, all right, <clears throat> if the Christians are right, then this would mean that my wife and kids and the rest of my family members are in serious eternal trouble. Where does that put me? Can I die tomorrow, stand before Judgment Day, and be told by God that everything that I love and everything I care about is going to either be annihilated, because I'm an annihilationist, or I find out that I'm wrong, and they get to be eternally tortured or tormented, like some Christians believe, forever. Even after I've given it everything I can to try to convert my family and my loved ones over. Because let's face it, folks, if Christianity is right, and it's true that there's a hell out there, whether your soul's getting destroyed or you're getting tormented, if you really believe that, then you're going to do everything in your power to try to save people or at least bring people to God so you can so you can get them set right. And I have failed to do that for a lot of those that I love. And that's too much for me. As I was telling Smokey, and Smokey turned on me, as well as some other Christians, they turned on me for this. They said, so what happens? They said that... uh 
you know, you get up to Judgment Day, you find out that that's the deal. What are you going to do? And they didn't like my answer on this. I believe in God and I love God. And um, I hate to do this and it probably puts me in the same position as a lot of you, but I, I believe that God brought my family into my life. And the idea that he would take them away and then uh, put them in excruciating pain for the rest of eternity is too much for me to be able to handle. So if it comes down to it, I'm going to tell you right now that if I'm standing before God and he says, this is the way it's got to be, then I'm going to have to look God right in his eye and I'm going to have to say, well, I love you, God. I care about you. And I've tried the best I can as a man, but I do not want whatever it is that's being offered here if it can't be with my wife and kids, period. Now, some people are going to wonder, well, what, what does that mean, Brett? Are you saying that you're willing to allow your soul to be destroyed through annihilationism? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it means. I've always liked the idea of being able to be with God and learn everything that I can and see him in all of his glory and greatness, but I'm not willing to be a part of any of that enlightenment or transcendence if I can't have my wife and kids and all that. It's too much. It's too much. I would rather have my, <clears throat> I would rather have 50 years on earth with those I love than to um, have an eternity where it's just me. Let me take a drink. So that's where I'm at. <clears throat> However, I'm not going to stop believing in God. I'm not going to become an atheist because... I have found myself in a position that's extremely unfair. I take responsibility and accountability for what I've done. I will continue to try to make an effort to get people right with God. I will continue to make videos and do live discussions where I'll reach out to people and explain to people why God is real, why it's true, um, but it's important for people to know that whether you're an atheist or you're religious, if you're having any doubts whatsoever, or you have any problems yourself, don't allow what's going on with you to interfere with those you love. Don't make the mistake I did. Don't go down the dark road with other people in the, in the vehicle is what I'm telling you. If you're driving... Don't take people down the dark road with you. You need to, if you need to make videos where you're talking about your atheism, make sure you tell people, I could be wrong. There might actually be a God. There might be something. There may be something beyond what I know. Let people know that. Remind them. I did. Any time I made a video, no matter how I made an argument or presented it, I always kept people, I always acknowledged that I could be wrong. But apparently I didn't do it enough. Even though I was honest intellectually, um, it cost me. Because I, I'm a father and I was responsible for those I love. And I went down a dark road, and because they loved me, they went with me. And now I find myself on a different road, and they're on the dark road. So that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Just because I may not get the benefits or the rewards of what the truth gives us doesn't mean that I'm going to stop trying to give people the truth or what I believe to be good.
are right. And I know what some of you are going to say. Well, what kind of good God would do that? What kind of good God would take everything away from you and do this? That would, because you yourself, Brett, you say that your kids are awesome and that your wife is awesome and that you love them. What kind of good God would do that? And my answer would be, I believe that God is good. I believe I made some bad decisions, though. I believe that God's judgment is fair. And if it turns out that this is what he chooses for all of us, then my choice is also, I need to be destroyed along with them. And that's that. You, uh, as a Christian, you are more than welcome to talk to me. I have noticed that some Christians out there, you have, it seems like you, uh, when you have heard me tell you this in the past, it bothers you. It makes you nervous. I guess it causes you doubt. It causes you to question how God does things because maybe you distract yourself with so many things in the world that you don't think about the fact that maybe even though you get to heaven, other people that you love will not. And that's hard for you to deal with. So you don't want to be around other people who are willing to talk about it, who are willing to put it out there like I do. But this is where I'm at. And if this means that some Christians need to stray away from me or you feel the need to make videos insulting me, then so be it. I know Smokey Saint spent over six months insulting me because he said I was selfish. He said I was an idiot and he said that I believed in God wrongly and all this kind of stuff. But, uh, and I was just completely dissected because of this. What I really needed was a, a good fellow brother or sister in Christ to be able to help guide me through this very dark times, but no one wanted to do it. Nowadays, I find myself surrounded by atheists and Satanists and pagans and people of all different faiths. Just recently, I did an interview with a Muslim, and I'm hearing all kinds of different things. It's not changing my view on Christianity, none, or my belief in love in Jesus Christ, but I just seem to notice that <laughs> it's funny when you think that certain people should be your brothers and sisters in Christ, um, God sends you a bunch of people that you don't, you wouldn't even imagine that are the ones that are going to actually be your real support. Isn't that weird? The actual support that I get is not from the people that I imagine they would be, but people that I completely thought wouldn't. That's odd. Oh, I probably should have waited until a different time to make this video. I've got allergies and I've been sniffling and everything else. I'm not feeling so good. All right, so give me your opinion. Uh, and also, I hope that you all show up for some of the shows. I'm going to attempt to do shows all throughout the weeks. We hope that you've been enjoying God TV Radio, hosted by Brett Keen. When you get an opportunity, check out our public radio station. Check out our books, music, and art. You can also buy t-shirts if you would like to support us. If you don't want a t-shirt, you don't want books, you don't want music... Well, you could always do a one-time donation through PayPal. Any support is appreciated. God bless. Hey guys, welcome to Capturing Christianity. I am Cameron Bertuzzi, and I am here today with Dr. Cy Gart. Welcome to the show. You, I mean, you've been on the channel before, but... I have. Yeah, yeah so here you're today with us in person, and I'm right. so excited to meet you. Wish I could see your wife, but I'm sure that she's here. She's here <laughs> in spirit, isn't she? I miss her too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so today we're talking about your journey from atheism all the way to Christianity. Right. And there's a whole lot that's happened in between you know, back when you were an atheist and now that you're a Christian. We'll talk about all the steps that kind of led there, some of the science, that because that, you your background is in, what is it, micro, not biochemistry. micro, biochemistry. And so, you're, you're, yeah, your background as a scientist, 
But that's actually what led you to em embrace God's existence and then eventually to, to become a Christian. Right. So how, let's start at the, the very beginning. Tell me about your upbringing. I know we've talked about this on the channel before, but let's uh, kind of go through it a little bit more in, uh, in some more detail. Sure. Well, yeah, I won't go into too much because, as you said, we, we have covered it and it's, uh, it's in my book, so you know, people can find it. Uh, but I, I grew up in a, in a basically uh, in a family three generations of atheists. Uh, they were not only atheists, they were very left-wing. My parents were members of the American Communist Party in the 1930s, which is rare. <laughs> and so uh, their atheism was very strong, very militant, uh, and that's what I grew up with. I, I uh, assumed that there was, could not be any such thing as God or not possible for there to be a God. Totally materialistic. My father was a chemist, scientist, so you know I, that was the worldview I grew up in. Uh, and, and, and also the same worldview I had when I went to college uh, where I started studying chemistry, <laughs> chip off the old block. And um, you know, when you're a chemistry major, you also have to learn some physics. So I was learning things about quantum mechanics and things in physics that Seemed a little strange to me, but I didn't really worry about it too much. And then eventually I decided I really wanted to study life. And rather than be a biologist, I wanted to study the chemistry of life. So mm -hmm. I went into biochemistry where I got my PhD. Uh, and what happened was that even, even in college as, as a young man, I began to feel there was something missing in my life. Uh, so, and I, I later realized it was some sense of spirituality which I think is very important for all people. But I found that, whatever that you want to call that, in science at first. I, I was thinking, well, you know, the science is great because it gives you a real sense of purpose, a real sense of uh, doing something good in the world, and, and it's true, you know, so mm -hmm. it's great. But there was one catch, which was that what I was learning in science didn't jibe with the materialistic worldview. And I, I, I couldn't have said it that way. I just, I just felt it. For example, uh, in graduate school, I learned about the process by which proteins are made in cells. And that's a very complex process that involves a tremendous amount of uh, biomolecules interacting with each other and the complexity is just incredible and I remember feeling like a chill going down my spine I it was like this is amazing <laughs> where did how did this get here and it was something that I couldn't answer uh, later of course like most biologists I just came up with the answer which is evolution evolution mm -hmm. does everything <clears throat> But when I, at that time, I kind of left things as it was and as, as they were, and I just uh, started wondering about really whether science was really the only way to find any truth. And I, 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 pretty soon I rejected that, as many people have. I was not yet ready to believe in God, and that took a lot of other steps. It required... Um, it required me to kind of break down my resistance to the idea, which was which I was born with, and it's it's kind of hard to you know reject all of that. But eventually, I did. And then, uh, were there so, any external yeah. factors that were helping to open you up? Yes, to God. Absolutely. Uh, I was brought to a church by a friend. And, and this I was, was still when you were an atheist. Oh yeah, and I was well. Maybe by then I was a little agnostic. Okay. You know, I wasn't really sure. Uh, so you but, got to the point of agnostic yeah, all on your own. Th that was all on my own, and that was due to the science I was learning. Uh -huh. Because the science I was learning did not support a strict atheism. It did not s support strict materialism. Okay. And, and that comes from quantum theory, and it comes from you know, the observer effect and all sorts of things in physics, but it also came from what I was learning in biochemistry and about how life works. Right. It just seemed that saying evolution explains everything in life was too glib. You know, it was too easy. It, it didn't seem to me to be enough. That's interesting because I've heard a lot of scientists, even like Peter Atkins, will say that God is like a lazy explanation. And you're saying that evolution is kind of like a lazy explanation. Well, for uh, you know, 
at that time, I would have said God was a lazy explanation too. I had no idea what the explanation was. I didn't really know what God was. <laughs> I didn't understand very much about God. But yeah, uh, I, think, I think evolution can explain a lot. Mm -hmm. But there are some key things that it cannot explain, and that includes the origin of life. And that's not my view. That's a very... Darwin said the same thing. Richard Dawkins has said the same thing. Yeah. The, the process of evolution that we call Darwinian evolution or biological evolution um, doesn't deal with the origin of life at all. So, and I'm, I'll get into that a little more, I think. Uh, but the external factors that helped me were, as I said, the, going to a church for mm -hmm. the first time and seeing something that I absolutely didn't expect. I thought that when you walked into a church, the first thing that would happen is the priest or the pastor would start yelling at you, you know, telling you that you're sinful and, you know, you're going to go to hell. And Where did you get that in impression from? Well, that's the impression I got growing up, you know, that... Uh, from who, though? Who, who did... Well, may, I mean, maybe it was a different time, but... It was, was, it, it was, was a different it? time, but it was also... It was also... By the way, it's not over yet. I mean, there, you'll still mm -hmm. find atheists talking about, you know, uh, the horrors of Christianity and how they... And how, you know, people are doing nothing but casting you into hell all the time and <laughs> lakes of fire and sin and and I felt you know very nervous and uh, it was and a your Catholic experience was nothing like that no it was a Catholic church uh, run by uh, Franciscans and uh, the priest gave a sermon about love love period not you know love God but just love mm. each other love and I thought, boy, this is very mild. <laughs> you know, why, you know, I think I've been lied to. <laughs> so at that point, I looked into this a little more. Uh, I wasn't a theist yet, but I started looking at the Bible for the first time. Uh, the Old Testament left me a little cold. I couldn't really get into it, didn't understand it much. But I read the book of Matthew and I read the book of Acts. And I found those very moving. The book of Acts struck me as actual history. I didn't have any, I was sure that this was not something anyone made up. It just didn't fit. So that got me thinking and, and then I, you know, I learned more and more. And as I talk about in my book, I'm not gonna go into detail now, I had several experiences, including some dreams and, and a waking experience that I had to attribute to the Holy Spirit. And at that point, I, after many years, by the way, I'm, talking, mm -hmm. I'm compressing two decades <laughs> into this discussion. But at that point, I realized that Christianity is true and Christ was real and he lived and died and rose. And I became a Christian. Yeah, I want to focus in on one part of your story, but I mm -hmm. also want to make a kind of general comment mm -hmm. about so sometimes I see atheists say like, okay, now it's just like this one, that, that is the reason why he became a Christian and that usually they pinpoint some like bad thing that happened or, mm -hmm. you know, this, this, this is a bad reason to become a, a Christian. Right. But in, in your case, and I think in a lot of cases, probably the vast majority of cases, that it's a multiplicity of different things yes, right. that all together, you know, exactly. built up and built up over many years. You said you're compressing in a story in, t you know, five minutes, something right. that happened to you over the course of 20 years. Right. And so obviously you're leaving things out and you can't actually get the sense of like all of these things building up and leading to this huge paradigm shift in your thinking, in your worldview. Yeah. But that, that's just the point that I wanted to make is that there's a whole lot of things going on oh, yeah. in your story. Yeah. And they all work together. Like it started out, you know, from atheism to agnosticism right. based purely on the science. Mm -hmm. And then you had these other experiences and everything kind of played together to lead you to Christ. So... Uh, that's one point I want to make. And then the second point was to bring us back to uh, focus on one area that really got you considering leaving atheism. Right. And I understand, is, is it a biogenesis? That's, a biogenesis. That's one of the, or, the main things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell me more about that. How did that, looking into that, really bring you more toward Christianity, toward theism? Well, you know, it's interesting because abiogenesis is a very active field of research and people are looking at it uh, very intensely in various ways. I've done a little bit myself. But 
have you published? Yes, I have okay. one paper published and one that's just about to be appro approved, uh, both on the same subject, which is, uh, which I'll get to in a second. But as I mentioned, abiogenesis, nobody thinks that it has anything to do with, you know, standard evolution. The, the general idea among scientists anyway, and, and the atheist ideas who are not scientists are not worth discussing, but the, the general scientific idea is that life began through what's called chemical evolution. And chemical evolution is very different from biological evolution because there's no natural selection. And there's no replication. There's no mutations. Yeah, it, it, what chemical chemical evolution is when you take chemicals, you put them together, and they either react or they somehow are able to do things only on the basis of chemistry, mm -hmm. without any mutation, without any replication, and without any natural selection. And that's pretty hard to do. Uh, Jim Tour, who's in this neighborhood, yep. uh, has often said uh, quite strongly and correctly that people who say that we're almost, we've solved so many problems in abiogenesis, we're almost there, are just wrong. <laughs> he says a little more strongly than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I was but, listening to something with him the other day. But was, he, he's, he's correct. So, he's, he's so forceful. Yeah, he's forceful, and but he's right. And I know why he's... He, he gets frustrated sometimes because he is a chemist, a very mm. good chemist, and he knows more than anyone that that's not how chemistry works. <laughs> chemistry, you know, uh, doesn't do things uh, for any reason. Bi life does things because of natural selection, perhaps, or because of, you know, the way life works, and you can get evolution, but you can't get it started. And I started thinking about this years ago, uh, especially related to one of my interests, which is, you know, how, how the DNA works by coding the existence of proteins, which cause life. And, you know, uh, Stephen Meyer has written about this in Signature of the Cell, and he has, he, in his recent book, The Return of the God Hypothesis, he talks a little bit about it as well. But I was focusing on one specific aspect, which is, uh, critical to the origin of life, to the origin of evolution, and that is the accuracy of self-replication, because nothing in the universe self-replicates accurately other than living cells. No chemical self-replicates, no machine self-replicates, crystals don't self-replicate, even DNA doesn't self-replicate, but a living cell can self, can make copies of itself that are 99.9999% accurate. That's astonishing. How does that happen? It involves a tremendous number of really complex things, including the genetic code, including ribosomes and DNA, uh, DNA replication and protein synthesis, uh, things that are just too complicated to describe without slides. Hmm. Uh, or without a, a semester of... Without a semester of, bi of biology, yeah, or chemistry or whatever. So if you, if you, if you have to have self-replication in order to have evolution, how, how, do you get, how do you get all this? How did that self-replication get there? Yeah. It couldn't have evolved because there's no evolution. And that's what I've been studying and what I published on recently, uh, the fact that, in fact, as I assumed... Uh, using various models that are, I'm not going to get into, that there are thresholds. And if you don't start out with a cell that already is pretty good at accurate self-replication, you can't do it. You'll never get living cells and you'll never get evolution going. And as I say, that's been right. published in a theoretical journal. Okay. So you've got to get the cell first in order to get it up and going get and, get, and get any right. evolution. But right. then to get to that point, to get to the first cell, you need just too many things? Is that kind of the idea? Yeah, you need, you need too many things that are too difficult to explain through only chemical evolution. Hmm. 
So what the, what the, is the current like science science uh, consensus? Is that mm -hmm. what's the current scientific consensus about abiogenesis? It depends who you talk to. If you talk to people who are not working in the field, many of them will say, "Oh yeah, we're getting there. We've got a lot made a lot of progress. We know that amino acids, you know, were in meteors, so they probably you know developed uh, or formed in the primordial earth. We know that uh, nucleotides can make long polymers with RNA." That, that, yeah, that's all true, but the people who are actually the, the leaders in these fields, in this field, uh, know the details, and the details are exactly what Jim Tour says. It doesn't happen. You don't get long polymers, you get short polymers. You don't get self-replication, you get annealing, you get junk rather than good stuff. Uh, that's what they know. And frankly, uh, I think many of them are getting discouraged. Uh, it looks like uh, not a lot of progress has been made. Mm -hmm. In fact, very little. And the numbers of problems just keep expanding. So uh, so the the alternative that mm -hmm. you arrived at was what? Well, so I don't know, I didn't know uh, what I what I I thought there was there's something missing. And this was the how this affected my journey to faith was that, it, it broke and helped break down this absolute certainty that everything is explainable by materialistic science. Okay. But I didn't know what the answer was. Right. <laughs> Once I became a believer and I started thinking, well, God is the creator of the universe, but I also said, not just the universe, he's also the creator of life and the creator of human beings, all of which are not explainable by any other means. So, but how? See, that's my question. Because knowing that God did something to me is not enough. I want to know a little more details. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I can, I don't know if anyone can ever learn that or understand that because we don't know how God works, you know, obviously. But I want to keep looking at it and I want to keep you know, investigating various hypotheses. I don't think we should stop doing scientific research on the issue, but I think we need to be open. And it may be that biology is at the same place that physics was before Einstein came up with relativity. They were kind of stuck. Mm -hmm. They had solved everything except this nasty thing called light, which nobody could understand. And when Einstein solved light through relativity, it changed physics forever. And it, it, it turned out physics was nowhere near complete. And now we're in a position where, you know, we have a huge amount of more knowledge, which makes the physical picture of the universe totally different than we originally thought. And I think biology is in exactly the same place right now. We need to expand our tools. We need to include new concepts into our studies of biology. And I'm not only the only one saying this, there are even some non-theists who are saying this. And uh, one of those concepts may be teleology, purpose. Perhaps we need to put purpose back into scientific equations, which has been taken out of ever since Darwin. The whole idea of evolution is it's blind, right? The blind watchmaker, it has no direction, no purpose. Well, the direction we know is wrong. Simon Conway Morris has shown that uh, there is a direction in evolution uh, through, through you know, his amazing studies on the Burgess Shale and other things. He's, he has shown that there are constraints. Evolution doesn't do just anything. It does only certain things, and it does it over and over and over again. So there's a direction. There, is, there are laws that seem to govern what actually can happen. It's not all random chance. We need to find out what those laws are, and we need to find out what they're about. And here's where I think philosophy becomes very important. Because scientists are not good at figuring out what, <laughs> what you know, is the basis of science. Once they make a discovery and they find the law, fine, they can then write an equation and have it as a law. But oftentimes, it, it takes some thought and some new approaches. I mean, Einstein had to use a whole different mathematical approach to get where he got. I think we're gonna to need to do the same thing. And I think that what we will find is that those new approaches, including something like teleology, are gonna point even more than they do now to a divine being.
a divine designer. So I want to kind of get an overview of your your journey. So you encountered these different things in science, and uh, let's just get a, a quick summary of those. So a biogenesis, quantum mechanics. Mm -hmm. Was there anything else that really stuck out? Well, the fine tuning argument. Fine tuning argument. Okay. Really, uh, I, I learned about that later, but yes, that was definitely. Another so those piece. were some of the science. Was there anything else scientifically that? Well, there's actually a lot of other things. That, that some of them are not very well known, but uh, just the idea that there's a lot in physics that is not known and is very surprising. And physicists themselves, or some of them, are getting a little nervous because it looks like the CERN, for example, the CERN uh, collider has not given the results that people are hoping for. A lot of theories have been thrown out. I can't go into the details because mm -hmm. I'm not a physicist and, uh, you know, uh, this is just from what I'm reading. So, and, and there are other parts of biology that uh, are incredibly suggestive of something way beyond anything we can understand, including consciousness, including human behavior. I mean, the idea that evolution, that, you know, Darwinian evolution by natural selection explains why you know, we, are, we have morality or explains why we're creative or we love music. That's just nonsense. That's not even scientific. Hmm. Those are stories, okay? Uh, so what makes us human? Why, what does it mean to be in the image of God? Well, we, we have a sense, right? Everybody has a sense that human beings are not just animals who are smart. Uh, some people deny that, and I have never... Even as an atheist, I never went along with that view. I always knew that human beings were somehow special, very special. I didn't know why, I didn't know where it came from, but now I think I do. So then that, that was kind of a summary of the, the science that kind of led you toward theism. But then what about, what was like, I know you mentioned like there were several different experiences that you had at church and dreams and everything. What was one that really stuck out to you that really contributed to your eventual accepting Christianity is true. Well, I can <clears throat> as, uh, I can I can tell you about uh, one of the dreams, which there were two main ones that I believe involved intercession from the Spirit. Were you at this time? Were you like really investigating? Okay. Were you reading Scripture a lot? Were no, you praying the, at the all? First one, the first one, the first one, I wasn't even thinking about. Christianity or belief. I was an agnostic. I didn't know what was going on. Okay. And I didn't understand the dream at all when I had it. And it was a very frightening dream because I, I don't like heights. <laughs> and I was hanging from the edge of a cliff, uh, terrified. I didn't know what to do. And I couldn't climb up. I was holding on with my hands. And I screamed out, help, help. I didn't know who I was calling to. I just said, help, help. And I heard a voice say, just let go. And I said, what? what? I fall down. And the voice said, just let go. So I finally said, well, okay. So I, I let go. And the moment I let go, the entire landscape turned 90 degrees. And instead of hanging from a cliff, I was lying on the ground. And there was a man whose voice, voice I had heard standing there. That was the man who said, just let go. I woke up and I was like, whoa, <laughs> what was that? I didn't know what he meant by just let go. I didn't know who it was. And then eventually, of course, um, I found out that, of course, the man was Jesus Christ, and what I had to let go of was all the baggage that was in my life that was preventing me, absolutely blocking me from even considering the idea of a God. And I, eventually, I did let go of all of that. Wow. That's crazy. Was there another one? You, you mentioned... The other was one, one that was, was later, later, and the other one... <laughs> the other one was I was already thinking about maybe believing in something. Uh, I don't remember exactly where I was, but I, what I do know is I had never been to a church yet. 
uh, other than that one Catholic church, I might have been there already, but I had never. What were they wearing? The Franciscans? Was it? Were they like oh, brown robes? robes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That freaked me out a little. Wasn't bit. Wasn't that cool though? It was kind of. It was cool. cool. It was cool. They were very cool people. They were really <laughs> nice. Uh, like yeah. the little rope. Yeah, little rope. Yeah, I thought that was weird. <laughs> did they? Did they like shave their heads? Or I don't anything? remember that. They, they might did. have. Yeah, I don't remember. Catholics, but, man, Catholics. Yeah. Well. <laughs> So that's uh, another story. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about the. Experience. So so I had and I had <laughs> not read. I had not yet read the gospel. That's definite. Uh, so I had a dream that I was walking around the garden trying to get in a walled garden, and I couldn't get in. I, I it was very steep walls, and I was kept trying to climb up. And I hmm. I found vines and little things, that, but I couldn't get to the top. And I got really frustrated. And I kept going around. And I and then, then I saw a man, and, and he said, what's the matter with you? And I said, I, I want to get in, and I can't climb over. He said, well, then use the door. There it is. So I walked in, opened the door, and walked in, and there was the garden. And <laughs> later, when I was in church, I think the first time I went to the church I'm now a member of, there was a picture of Jesus knocking on the door. But I had never heard that knock on the door, and it, you know, if you knock, it will be open for you. That was, mm -hmm. I had yet to re read that, but I dreamed it. <laughs> so that, that had a big effect on me, <laughs> as wow. you can see. <laughs> yeah, I'm like about to start tearing up myself. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a, there's a whole lot more for us to, to cover in this short interview, but is it, yeah, is there is there anything that you'd like to leave with the audience before we close it out? Yeah, I, I think I have one main message. I think I I think I was called, as so many of us are called, to give one message to people who are questioning their faith, especially if they're questioning it because of science. <clears throat> and that's the reason I wrote my book. It's the reason I'm writing, <clears throat> excuse me, articles. Science and Christian faith are absolutely not in conflict. I understand that people growing up in faith occasionally <clears throat> will, uh, will lose it for various reasons, but one of those reasons should never be science, okay, because science is not anti-Christian, science is not atheistic, Christianity uh, was instrumental in the foundation of science, in the beginning of science. All the original scientists were, were uh, Christians, and that remains, there's still many, many scientists who are Christians despite the current atmosphere, which is somewhat hostile to Christianity. But uh, my prediction is, what I see now happening is that atheists are beginning to deny the reality of science. You find atheists saying, no, no, the universe didn't have a beginning, it's been there forever. No. They say the DNA is not a code. There's no genetic code. It's not a real code. Wrong. And the reason, these are not scientists necessarily, but they're atheists who think they, they are seeing this from various people. And the reason they're attacking scientific facts, because they, they are, is because the scientific facts are pointing more and more to what they don't want to accept, which is that this world has a creator, and everything we see is, a, is part of the creation, including ourselves. So if you are being told that you have to choose between science and your Christian faith, reject that. Whoever told you that is wrong. It's not true. What's true is Christianity. Yo, G, look who it is. It's that Bill Nye guy, you know, the Pee Herman of atheism, the wannabe poser scientist trying to figure out how the evolution works. Well, son, let me introduce you to DJ Kent Hogan. Yeah. There are some lies in our science books. I taught it for 15 years. Even though I'm not teaching it anymore, I still like to study. It's so many neat things to learn. We're going to cover some of that tonight. I'm not against science. I'm not against schools. I'm not against teachers. Because most of them don't know what they believe. You have to tell them. 
They teach the kids it all started with a big bang 20 billion years ago. What exploded? This is what the textbooks teach. Before the big bang, there was nothing, literally nothing, an infinitesimal nugget of space. And then something happened, triggering the most colossal explosion in history. Yes, boys and girls, you see, nothing exploded, and uh, here we are. So I asked Mr. Fesser if I could ask him some questions about the Big Bang. I said, where did all this matter come from? He said, well, we don't know that for sure. I said, well, sir, would you please tell me where the laws came from? The universe is run by laws, gravity, centrifugal force, inertia. Who gave the laws? He said, we don't know that either. I said, sir, could you tell me where the energy came from? You know, it takes energy to make a Big Bang. Who bought the gas to run this machine anyway? Hmm? He said, we don't know that either. I said, uh, sir, could I ask you another question? He said, sure, what else would you like to know? <laughs> else? What do you mean else? He hasn't told me nothing yet. I said, does Berkeley have a merry-go-round? You see, if a spinning object breaks apart in a frictionless environment, the fragments will all spin the same direction. The professor said, yes, I understand about the conservation of angular momentum. I said, well, good, I'd like to ask you a question then, sir. If the whole universe began as a swirling dot, like you said, why do two planets spin backwards? He said, that's interesting. I said, no, that's more than interesting. It's kind of hard on your Big Bang Theory. Not only that, six of the moons are spinning backwards. Why? He said, I don't know. Why do you think they're going backwards? Uh, I was hoping he was going to ask that. I said, okay, now, sir, hold it. If I told you that I believe God created the heaven and the earth like the Bible teaches, you're going to say, where did God come from? And I don't know. But you said, well, we don't know that for sure. We don't know that either. We don't Don't tell me my theory is religious and yours is science. Oh, no, sir, they're both religious. Evolution is a religion. You have to believe. So ask the professor, where did the matter come from? He said, I don't know. So basically, I believe in the beginning God, and you believe in the beginning dirt. One professor was getting kind of upset about this time. He said, uh, Mr. Holman, there are hundreds of varieties of dogs in the world. He said, you mean to tell me that you believe all these dogs came from two dogs off a Noah's Ark? You expect me to believe that? I said, sir, would you look at what you're teaching your students? You're teaching your students that all the dogs in the world came from a rock.